Let's Talk Native is produced at the Eltian Studios on the Cataraugus territory of the Seneca Nation. We break all the rules for native media by peeling back the layers of assimilation and indoctrination. We may step on a few toes through our examination of culture, art, politics, history, and identity. But the real goal here is to bring our people together by breaking down what separates us. So, welcome to Let's Talk Native with John Kane. Sego, and welcome to Let's Talk Native. I'm John Kane. I'm your host. And, uh, you know, look, we've got a, a, a guest with us today. And we're going to actually do another one of our kind of two-part series here. Um, and today I have the the director of a of a short documentary called The Bears on Pine Ridge. And we'll get into explaining if you don't if you're not familiar with the film, we'll explain a little bit more of the film. Um, so what we're going to do today is uh, is talk with uh, with Noel Bass, who is the director of The Bears on Pine Ridge. Uh, and then in the next episode, we will have um, two of the featured uh, uh, personalities from the film, uh, Tiny DeCorey and uh, Eileen Janis, who are featured, um, are, are the main features of, of, of the film. So uh, let me first by uh, go ahead and introduce uh, Noel Bass. Noel, thank you for joining me on Let's Talk Native. Yeah, thank you uh, very much. Um, you know, I'm very grateful for um, the opportunity not only to uh, to do this one show, but to do two um, covering the topic and and you know uh, allowing your platform for us to do it. You know, it's not it's not often that um, a topic like this gets exposure. So I'm, I'm very grateful. Well, and and there's so much uh, in uh, in native territory uh, to to talk about. I mean, there's. You know, we we lead in so many of the uh, the top of the list on so many lists that you don't want to be at the top of, and and among them are things like suicide and depression and substance abuse and um, uh, missing and murdered Poverty, indigenous yeah. women, all of these things that that plague yeah. our territories. And this film that 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 you um, uh, have are, are are such a big part of here. Is is about those first two topics. This this topic of of suicide su suicide prevention, but suicide and depression. You know, talk to me a little bit about your background and how you came to be involved with the folks in Pine Ridge. Sure. Um, you know, my story isn't uh, an amazing story, so I'll keep it really short. Um, I'm, I was born in Southern California. Uh, my dad is uh, Latino from Mexico. Uh, we do have some indigenous roots, uh, but not in uh, what you would consider uh, the America, uh, United States of America. It's more to Mexico. Um, and uh, growing up in Southern California, there isn't a, a huge uh, Native American presence. I'd say like a like a large reservation or whatnot, but there are casinos and um, uh, that are actually doing pretty well. And um, and uh, my professional background is uh, photography, so I did that 15, for 15 years in Los Angeles. Um, and at that point, I was uh, dealing with some personal struggles, some depression that I was going through. I wasn't very satisfied with what I was doing with my life. Um, and you know, just in general, you know, depression can hit 
from a mul multiple factors or a multitude of situations, for whatever reason, um, it was very crippling. And so I wanted to research it and I started picking up psychology books and talking to friends who knew a bit about it. And this is where the um, introduction to me of uh, Native American and, and indigenous uh, suicide situation was happening uh, right here in this country. Uh, and it just, it blew my mind. Um, and so at that point I started researching more, uh, uh, you know, going on YouTube and YouTube was still not new, but it wasn't what it is today. Uh, so I was actually going to the library, uh, looking for books, uh, ordering books online and, uh, you know, all the while learning about the Lakota culture. Um, and, uh, you know, I learned about the suicide state of emergency that they had. And so, um, I took my first trip out there in 2011 and, um, you know, uh, I don't know if you've ever spent time on Pine Ridge, but there's not really, you know, a lot of places set up for tourists. There's not a lot of hotels or things of that nature. Uh, and I think they have one casino hotel that's kind of out like about 30 miles out of town. And so I volunteered for a family. Uh, and uh, through doing that, I was able to drive around and, and ask questions and meet people. And, um, and that's where I met Tiny and Eileen. Um, and ever since then, I've been connected to them and, um, and the cause. And, uh, so yeah, that's my background. Well, and let me back up a little bit because one sure. of the things that, that, uh, and, and I'm, I'm native, I'm, I'm Mohawk or Gunyakahaga, you know, which mm -hmm. is Haudenosaunee. We're out on the, on the East side of Turtle Island, as we say. Um, yeah. and one of the things that, uh, that, I, that I can't like overlook is, is some of what many people who do identify as uh, Latino, there must be a certain amount of struggle because of that indigeneity and and some of the erasure that goes with some of that indigenous culture. And while I'm I'm certainly not trying to psychoanalyze you by, by any means, you know I I can't help but wonder um, when I when I do see people indigenous people, regardless of how much indigenous culture they are tied to. I, I wonder because we have this thing about intergenerational trauma and 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 yeah. so I, I think even for many people who may identify as Mexican or Latino or um, and and have some vague um, connection to indigeneity, I wonder how much that still ends up being you know not only an, an underlying um, uh, conflict I think for for some people, but I, I wonder if that, that somehow you know uh, made this connection for you that that much more important. Yeah, that's a solid question and a solid point. Um, I've always had you know issues with identity when it comes to race in general uh, because you know and, and I don't want to speak badly about America. Obviously, there's a lot to love about America, but America is something where uh, one particular race uh, does really well, and if you don't look like that race then um you know it's a it's a struggle in a lot of aspects uh but i didn't particularly i you know i've had very few situations where uh some racism was thrown at me so i was very fortunate that way um but you know you know our, our family home we spoke i spoke spanish to my dad and uh english to my mom uh but going back to what you're saying with the root i do believe there is something there definitely I spent time in, in Mexico with my dad's side of the family. And there's this, there's so many similarities to the way 
the energy and the way they speak uh, to each other that are similar to what I found in the Lakota culture. Um, yeah, I'll give you an example. In Pine Ridge, even though they are struggling with um, a lot of poverty and uh, mental health issues and you know everything that you listed before, there is an amazing amount of warmth that I was familiar with already uh, coming from that Mexican side. They're laughing, they're telling jokes, they're picking each other up. And so I felt comfortable right away. And, and in fact, every time I go, um, I'll go and live there for about uh, anywhere from a month to three months at a time. Uh, I have an RV now, so I, I can set the RV down in, in like a field of a family that I know or in a backyard of a family that I know um, or a nearby town. And every time I go, I feel this warmth come over. You know, you're, you're going to a place where people are trying to make each other laugh and people are trying to, you know, they're kind of, there's a sense of like, hey, we're all in this together, you know, and there's something very special about Pine Ridge. And maybe that's because it is isolated, but I think it's also um, from just generations and generations and generations of a certain way of life and how they view um uh, you know, the important things in community and in their family versus, I guess you could say like a capitalist society, you know? So, yeah, it's it definitely, I think there is a connection there. I feel it. I don't know if I can, I can, you know, pinpoint it to uh, somewhere in my genetics, obviously. Uh, I am a mixed bag. I have a lot of different um, uh, ethnicities, but there's something very, very familiar, I think, to uh, the Latino culture. Well, and, and you mentioned the, um, the and, and this isn't unique to uh, Pine Ridge, although Pine Ridge is oftentimes cited as, you know, probably the most dramatic example of, um, you know, of policy, not just induced, but to policy caused um, a poverty inflicted upon a people. Um, yeah. But you, you mentioned isolation, and and I think the isolation isn't just geographical. I mean, it, it clearly it's an isolation of uh, it's a social isolation as well. When you consider what the whole reservation system was about, it was about you know uh, you know pushing uh, a people, an entire you know race that you know varied even in amongst ourselves as native people, an entire race of people onto very small parcels of land that would be taken out of the the public consciousness of the dominant society around us. So that isolation is both geographical, but it's also uh, a social isolation. Yeah, absolutely. And and then also there's, uh, uh, I mean, there's a lot of aspects, but, you know, you got to put in this aspect where at a certain point where they're um, being uh, punished for living their Lakota ways or spiritual ceremonies and things like this, even speaking the language of boarding schools, when they're being punished for that, you would want to have some kind of isolation after that, wouldn't you? Sure. You'd want to. And I think that's, you know, the trauma that you're talking about that's generational and um, some say that even goes into their DNA so that their offspring carry it. Yeah, the epigenetics um, argument. Sure, sure. Yeah. I mean, I totally believe that, right? Yeah, well, no, I, mean, I, I do too. Yeah. Well, and um, and yeah. on, on again on that isolation note, there's also this idea that Native people that we do struggle to maintain not just identity but distinction. 
And oftentimes, you know, part of our effort to maintain that distinction is to create space between us and the dominant cultures around us. Again, socially, yeah. geographically, uh, but but all of that stuff. So, yeah. So so the isolation has we in many ways contribute to that because that's part of our resistance to the the forces of assimilation that are all around us. Yeah, and especially when you know you look at native. A culture and indigenous people have been hurt so many times uh, by the integration with, you can go back to the Spaniards or, you know, um, and then, then the movement of the uh, American government and the soldiers. And even today in media, what you have are news crews going in and not spending time with the community, uh, telling a story that gets put on 5 p.m. news, um, you know, and it continues. And so, you know, those are some of the barriers that, um, you know, are difficult in, in filming in it, or I should say initially for a lot of filmmakers to understand going into a community like Pine Ridge is so unique and has so much history. You got to understand how much they've been through and how many people like you have gone there trying to capture a story sure. with bad intent. And so if it bleeds, it leads. Know. Right. I mean, and this is kind of the way, you know, sensationalizing yeah. the trauma. And we've seen that with with news crews over the years that almost make, you know, it's there's this, that expression poverty porn um, that yeah. gets, yeah. you know, and, and so there's that. But l l let's get I mean, I want to get down to the film a little bit uh, before we sure. use up too much more time. I mean, it's great uh, yeah. talking to you, though. Yeah. I, and I think this is all yeah. really valid conversation. But one of the things that, that before we even start, I, I got to say that. Up until a few years ago, the idea of actually quantifying or measuring childhood suicide, it was such an anomaly that it, that it wasn't even a, it, it wasn't even measurable. And 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 I say that on behalf, you know, as, as a part of you know, American, um, you know, the overall U.S. numbers, the idea of, of children committing suicide was so low. And yeah. and so when. Some of this, these these youth suicides began really escalating on Native territories and in Pine Ridge in particular. That's when it became so alarming because you're talking about, you know, a, a a tragedy that was almost unmeasurable up until uh, until it became um, almost of epidemic proportions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I have talked to a lot of elders and a lot of people who are maybe not quite elders, you know, in their fifties and. Um, 60s or whatever you would consider an elder uh, beyond that. But um, we, you know, this is a topic that if you go to Pine Ridge, everybody has something to say about it. You know, this isn't something that has not been talked about. Everybody wants it to get solved. And um, the difference is that in the past, uh, I think in the 80s, they had a really bad problem, is where it started. And then uh, I think another swell in the 90s. But Really, in the 2000s, that's when it sort of became a cluster situation where you, people started to look at it like an epidemic because it was happening, um, you know, sometimes four in a week or, or four in a month or um, tiny. Um, in one of her talks, she says that there were 66 attempts in one month. Um, and that's a small community. You know, that's not, <clears throat> excuse me, that's not, uh, you know, big city. These are people that everyone knows each other and if they don't know each other they know the brother of or the cousin of or the family of 
or you know that person's in my class or in my school and so you're talking about 66 youth suicide attempts in one month for a community think about the fear so this is you know as much as you know this is about suicide um this is uh, a, a unique situation that does not apply to communities that are more privileged who may have one suicide in their whole life uh, in their community, or maybe one in their school, maybe maybe they know one family member down the line. This is, um, it's almost like a presence that they're uh, forced to then now uh, talk about and figure out what to do, right? And it's hard to figure out what to do when a lot of your spiritual ways have been taken away to where a lot of these kids aren't don't have that founding that grounding anymore uh, eileen and tiny will talk more about that i don't want to speak too sure, much about sure. this um i'm just going to tell you about what i experienced uh in filming and there there is this narrative uh it isn't something that is hush hush everybody wants to talk about it everybody has uh in their hearts they want to help the children but this is a new dialogue you know, this is, um, I'd say, within 40, 30 years, maybe even 20 years, where they're really accepting, okay, we need to really, really talk about this. And that's where the, um, you know, the film comes in and talks about the state of emergencies, because here's, uh, you could start to say the first attempt where a tribe is saying, we need national awareness, we need attention now, uh, you, you know, your hospital systems that the government has set up here isn't doing its job. Uh, we don't have the funding to stop this. We need attention. Uh, we are traumatized. You know, suicide comes from all the historical traumas, the generational traumas, the modern day inadequate you know, support from the government. It's all tied into suicide. Uh, and so the youth suicide you can look at as uh, kind of the worst effect, you know, in your opinion, you know, of all these traumas that go, are still not repaired not talked about there are no reparations and you know so what we're seeing here this is directly uh related to the traumas uh historical traumas and the inadequacies of the government for sure well and, and again one of the things that i i talk about on my program here is that even beyond the historical trauma is the real life um circumstances that exist now with the yeah. lack of hope or the lack of prospects for the future or, or, or the motivation for, I mean, look, we experience these mass exodus of, of, of people leaving our territories because there are not opportunities on our territory. So as a, as a child, when you become aware that there's so very little in your community that, that, you know, that is going to drive you to motivate you to achieve something, that lack of hope and that, that, that lack of, a, of any prospect for your future, um, that gets coupled with that historical trauma. Absolutely. And then let's say they do get a job and they feel good about themselves for a week, right? And then at the end of that week, let's say the uh, boss yells at them or treats them in a way that they're not used to. Um, or let's say that they don't give them a break because it's like, hey, we have 80% unemployment here, you're just dispensable. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, they their one chance or their one their first uh, step into employment is probably not a positive one. Uh, but again, you know, this all draws back to this is um, this is, uh, you know, the effects of colonization without 
the extra attention that needed to go on, you know, with an agreement between the United States government and the, uh, you know, the indigenous communities that they sign treaties with. If you sign a treaty saying we're going to uh, take care of your health care, we're going to take care of your schooling, your food, your housing, uh, medical, um, then that doesn't mean we're going to do that on paper and then walk away and you're going to get the substandard of everything. If you think about um, everything that the government does now for uh, the country, let's say the roads or, or whatnot, right? So as things advance, the bridges become higher tech, the hospitals get higher tech, the schools get more, uh, you know, educational materials, computers, all these things. So the government knows that things advance and they put the extra money into things for the American people. And that's because the American people demand it and whatnot. That's not happening on reservations. If you make a, con a, a contract or a peace treaty with a native community, you say, you're going to get free health care. I'll just take that one example. Then... As medical science, uh, you know, becomes more um, technical, it progresses. It becomes, you know, we're we're curing cancers and other things. The highest quality of every agreement should be upheld. Of education, the highest housing, the highest standards of of medical. But that's not what's happening on reservations. What's happening is. Um, that's not being upkept. They're looking at a treaty as something that's history. Right. But a treaty should be something that is a contract that every year should be looked at and graded and taken into account. And the problem is, the reason it's not is because most Americans, about 80% of Americans don't even know a lot about uh, what's happening on reservations. Yeah, I heard one poll that said 40% of Americans don't even know Native people still exist. That's, yeah, there's, yeah. A, uh, there's a great... Um, survey done by illuminative.org illuminatives.org your your uh, listeners can go to that they spent two years and i think three million dollars or something to um research what americans know about native americans and it and it showed uh, pretty much nothing most of them don't know that they exist which is just absolutely uh um unexplainable and and that can't happen not anymore well, in, it should in, be a hundred percent. Yeah. In the that, film, no. you you had uh, um, you you have a, a clip with uh, uh, Simon, uh, uh, um, uh, what's his name? Moya um, Smith. Moya, I'm sorry. Yeah, you had interview with with Simon Moya Smith. Yeah. And he specifically talked about the intent of the reservation system was essentially to was really geared towards eliminating yes. us. Go, let us go there to die. And yeah. and I would argue that much of the policy that was intended on creating an uncomfortable life for Native people was was twofold. One is, yes, we would just fade away or die there, or we would leave those territories and then just become, you know, assimilated into the bottom most rungs of American society. And in fact, there was a policy in the 70s that was called the relocation program, which which took yeah. Native people off territories, gave them some menial job in an urban environment and maybe some crappy apartment to live in. And and sometimes hundreds of miles away from uh, the Native territory. And that cut the ties. So and, and I and I bring that up because 
as we look, as we confront the problems today, and 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 the, and the problem specifically that your film is confronting, which is is the the suicide problem, is especially the youth suicide problem. You, it, it can't just be looked at as an oversight, you know. And from a native standpoint, I know I view many of these things as more than just incompetence or an oversight, but almost a, a, a in a way a bit of an assault. So let's talk about how you your how you got started with actually doing the film, um, who and and who contributed to forming the idea of doing this film. Sure. Um, so. Uh, it took it took a while. Uh, like I said, my first trip was in 2011. I met Tiny and Eileen, who um, you know your listeners are going to have the privilege to hopefully see in the film and then also um, hear on your podcast. Um, amazing, amazing women in general. Uh, you know, besides the point of what they're they're doing and what they do out of their life too, they're just incredible individuals. Uh, have raised incredible families, very solid support system, uh, very spiritual minded with the Lakota way of life, uh, educators, teachers. Uh, they have the only um, uh, space on the reservation for donated goods. Um, so they, you know, they use some of their, they've been publicized in articles and some news um, and a lot of people know about them around the world. So they get these donations and, um, um, they're able to get, you know, clothing for children, school materials and uh, hygienic needs, just everything you can think of. In the winter, they get a lot of boots and jackets. Uh, they're so busy. They even go to court to um, defend certain kids. I mean, they have their hands in everything um, to try and help that community. And so uh, when you get to talk to them, know that you're talking to two heroes of mine, like true, true heroes. Uh, that I haven't seen anyone on any any caliber like this anywhere in my life. So, um, so in 2012, uh, you know, I did a little bit of filming, but I, you know, I was mostly a photographer. I was more uh, just uh, becoming learning about the community, learning about things. Uh, there's a lot of issues on Pine Ridge. There's a town called White Clay, a liquor uh, that sells liquor. It's all owned by white people who um do not give back to the community they're just there to sell booze to uh, the dry reservation uh so that was a big thing so there's a lot there was a lot to learn you learn about the history you learn about the horse riding culture the buffalo society the um there's just you know it was fascinating to me and so i kept going back before i eventually finally left la uh in 2015 i decided to um take some take a friend of mine to to actually do it for real. And by that time, um, Tiny and I had uh, gained enough of a relationship where obviously she trusted me and, and knew uh, that I cared about the, um, the issue. Um, and then from there, I got to meet the youth, the uh, bear kids that are going to be in the film. Um, and then just to, I don't know how much time we have here, so I'll just tell the uh, listeners, um, uh, the one of the great parts about the film is the film t uh, dives into uh, Tiny's, Tiny and Eileen's uh, bear program project, which is a collective of suicide survivors that uh, some of them, they've saved themselves. And these teenagers, you know, were at their lowest. They've, you know, struggled, you know, with life on the reservation, poverty, um, sometimes sexual abuse, um, you know, 
problems with education, all the problems that you'll see on the reservation. And Tiny takes them in and uh, Tiny and Eileen take them in and give them kind of a safe space uh, and what you call a bear cave. They have this space where they can play games and hang out. And they created this program uh, where they go out in mascot outfits, big animal, bright, big, colorful, furry mascot outfits where they get to cover themselves and become this character. And you find a lot of them start to you know, put on this ego that they would have if they had, you know, this confidence. And so they'll walk up in these costumes and they'll flirt with people in the audience. They'll make people laugh. They become uh, really this inspirational group of performers. So, so, so essentially, of, essentially yeah. they adopt an alter ego. So as resi- or reserved or um, um, uh, self um you know, or, or introverted as they may be, once they put yes. these costumes on, they they become another ego that allows them to be much more engaging, not only to adults, but, but to ch- other children in particular. And not only that, you'll find that everyone that's in the bears, and, and I, I, I want to say most people who are depressed to where they want to commit suicide, most of them, from what I found, are really passive, sweet people. They don't like confrontation. They don't like, you know, to fight. They, and so they take things harder. So this program in a costume offers them a chance to go and hug kids. They're getting hugs and they're going up to kids and hugging them and they're all dancing together. They're doing the things they wish they could do in real life. But after that, um, you know, you know, this is a way to get them to build their courage and excitement through the program. But what Tiny does is when she knows that a kid is ready at a certain point to speak, to take off the outfit and speak, um, uh, she'll give them the microphone and let them say whatever they want to say. And so these kids, and the reason for that is by these kids talking about their struggles and their depression, it could be abuse, bullying, whatever it is. By doing that, she knows that someone in the audience who isn't talking about it is going to hear it and they're going to identify and they're going to say, I want to speak up too. Because she's found that the ones that actually do commit slipped through their fingers. They didn't know. They didn't know. They, they were the quiet ones. And so, you know, what Tiny is doing is something that you really can't, you know, it's not something that you can be taught through, you know, um, literature about suicide or, uh, you know, you take a PhD that wants to talk about uh, certain psychological tendencies or mental illness uh, you know, where people fit mental illness or medications, she's doing it for her community. And she's figured out that most of this is because people have no one to talk to or they think they're alone. And so she's giving an empowered place for these youth. It's just really special. I'm, I'm talking a lot here, but um, it's a really, and, and I say tiny, but Eileen is part of this too. And you'll, you'll get to talk to Eileen. Um, now, but, uh, but the, yeah. and so the film you know, really, although it, it gets its title from the um, this bears program or this this uh, yeah. this almost mascot program, I hate to use the word mascot because that's like, that's like uh, a bad word. It can be native territory. Yeah. Right? These are not native mascots. These are all huggable, characters. you know, animal yeah. characters. Um, yeah. And so, but so it gets its name from that. But really, this the film delves into the the suicide problem in general. Um, you know, and yeah. so much of, and look, it even gets into, into some of the, you know, the family struggles, even, even I, I, mean, I know the part with, with Eileen's daughter expressing her concern for, for how much her mother 
gives into this thing and, and, the, and the toll it takes oh, on yeah. it. So it, it's all of yeah. that. So, I mean, the, the film is pretty powerful. Now, it's, it's a short document. This is a 40-minute um, documentary, yeah. right? Why why, yeah. why is it, did you choose to do a the short, is there a, an intent to do a, a full-length feature at some point? There is, you know, um, as you know, you know, you know about the industry and stuff. It, it takes a lot of effort um, to make a movie. It's not just one person telling a story. Um, there's a lot of different positions to fill, and those all take time and money. And so there just wasn't simply there was not not enough time or money to wait longer to make a feature because it's going to take a lot longer. Sure. Um, and the, the other thing too is um, we in filming it was all out of pocket because you know we're covering a community that is uh, maybe had a bad. Uh, relationship with media and doesn't it's not going to understand a crowdfund for uh, going to filmmakers right right even if your intent is is solid um, so uh, so everything was out of pocket and that's why it took such a long time um, until recently we did one crowdfund just because we had a composer that just wouldn't do it for free and he's a, he's a nice guy I don't want to say that he wouldn't do it free it's he's working you know he's a solid composer but everyone else on this project, uh, volunteer their time sure. uh, and their resources. Right. Uh, but yeah, the the feature is going to come out, and uh, we're working on that now. And it's again all volunteer based. And, well, well, tell um, me, how can yeah. somebody watch the film that you have? You know, again, the the bears on Pine Ridge. What is the best way yeah. for listeners of this podcast to uh, to search out the film and to get a chance to see it? Yeah, you're you're in New York, is that right? Yes. Uh, we're going to be in a festival uh, on the 30th or the 31st. It begins called the New York uh, International Film Festival. So I wanted to point people that way. You can support a uh, festival. And, it, and all these festivals that are taking the film on, you have to support them because um, they're taking on uh, not only a short film that's probably way too long at 40 minutes, uh, but the a material that's very important that we need a, a, a national, if not a world discussion on the topic. Um, so that's the new uh, NYCIFF. It's New York City International Film Festival. Uh, but uh, there is, uh, for those who uh, want to watch the film for free, it's currently playing at the Sarasota uh, Native American Film Festival uh, and for a limited time. And you can go on and find the Bears and Pine Ridge on that for free. So I encourage any student, um, you know, anyone that uh, is low on funds, doesn't have the money to support a film festival, um, and to please go in and watch it there for free. So now, are some of these way, film festivals, yeah. um, like the one in New York City, is it virtual or is it uh, is it in person? Yeah, they're all going to be virtual, and if they're doing in person stuff, it'll be tied. Uh, with virtual as well. When, what's the date um, for the New York yeah. City uh, Film Festival? That is, I believe, the 31st through the 14th. Okay, so they may be able to gain uh, some access to uh, at least information on the film by going to that New York City Film uh, International Film Festival. That's right. And then do you, if you have listeners in Canada, there is a film festival there. I'd really love people to support called Pendence Film Festival. Very special, very, very special festival. Uh, they're putting this film as the opener. So imagine what that's going to awesome. do for the issue and topic. And where's uh, that and film festival can, based out of? 
uh, Ontario. Okay, uh, Toronto specifically, or um... yeah, I think they're out of Toronto, okay. Okay. but okay. all of on, okay. all of Ontario can uh, screen it. Um, and I want to thank you. I know you you have limited time here, but I want to thank you too. Like anyone that's giving this topic a platform, you're gonna you know, obviously hear more about the situation from Tiny and Eileen. Um, but that is what we're trying to do uh, as a, a collaboration. You know, we're not just filmmakers. I'm not, you know, someone that's going to go and run and make a movie about, uh, I don't know, a love story or this or that. I'm really tied to this uh, community and to this issue. And so what we're trying to do is, um, you know, be a source to try and help to bring a national discussion because there are, uh, I, I'm, I can't even put a number on the amount of tribes that are going through the same situation and that are underrepresented. Uh, their state of emergencies are not reaching the national level. Um, and this is for reasons of, um, you know, you could say isolation, but it's also uh, because there is no pressure from, let's say, off-reservation Americans. Sure, sure. Because they're just not enlightened, right? So once people get enlightened, and then we can go to your politicians, your local politicians, your state politicians, and your federal government, and put apply a lot of pressure. Say, well, and there, there, in this current climate of, of of a national call for social justice, it's important that this this issue be be a part of that discussion. So, no, Noel Bass, I want to thank yeah. you for joining me um, and giving you know, some great insight. I know we we talked about a lot of things beyond the film, and uh, but I, I thank you for doing this work. Uh, and introducing many people who may not know who uh, Tiny DeCorey and uh, Eileen Janice are, um, they'll they'll be joining me on on the next program. But I want to thank you so much for giving uh, giving your background and uh, and what what drew you to this issue. I appreciate the work that you've done. Uh, I appreciate you. Thank you so much. All right. Well, I want to thank you guys for listening. Uh, this is Let's Talk Native. I'm John Kane, and again, I give my thanks to uh, Noel Bass for giving us so much of his time. Uh, do check out part two of this series, uh, and we will feature two of the the, the main principles of uh, uh, on this film, uh, Tiny DeCorey and Eileen Janice. This is John Kane. This is Let's Talk Native. Yahweh. Think about me one more time before you go. I've been feeling this way for far too long